1: I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land. This land has been in the hands of generations of C- Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long after us. It's a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories, and song, and we are privileged to be a part of that storytelling here today and every day at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal Elders, past and present. We're broadcasting from Redfern right now, the birthplace of Black Theatre. In this country and a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. Welcome to Race Matters. This is a show hosted by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Sada Khan.
0: I'm Darren Lasagas. Uh, welcome back to Race Matters. We're back in our second week of a full hour. I know. Sarah. this is the first time you're here live. How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling great. This feels like it's meant to be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're growing We've we're grown. growing
1: we're growing I'm 27 I'm grown.
0: <laughs> you had a birthday last week
1: I know that's why I wasn't here happy <laughs>
0: birthday no we're not here <laughs>
1: uh,
0: look it's also been a particularly uh, traumatic and hectic week over in Melbourne uh, as you're definitely aware of by now especially for the residents of nine public housing estates that were completely locked down because of coronavirus with no notice at all uh, later on in the show we're going to be unpacking how that situation's unfolded and how it was uh, a whole lot to do really inextricably with race.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot for us to unpack from this last week. It's got a big show coming up and a lot else has happened this week as well with Kanye... (laughs) <laughs> announcing his twenty twenty run for election. Mm. I can't even start on that. That stupid hectic letter against cancel culture in Harper's Bazaar as well. And then also Lady Antebellum becoming another Queen of Karen group. I
0: never okay, I really <laughs> never said the words Lady Antebellum more in my life in the past two days. Like they were never on my radar, and that's fine. Like I'm not a c <laughs> I'm not a huge, like, mainstream country fan, but yeah. damn, like what the hell is going on there?
1: Oh, uh, it was I remember so just a bit of a yarn on that i was doing the brekkie show yesterday for it and i had like a, a free talk break so i quickly was trying to find content for it and i saw the headline about lady antebellum changing their name because of the racist origins that antebellum has which i didn't realize was rooted in um the confederacy era of um slave trade and so they made an announcement like many other companies and businesses and bands artists musicians creatives did of um reviewing their own practices and how it's rooted in racism and white supremacy and so they've all been doing this big review they've all been like pretty much grandstanding on their wokeness as well at the same time which wasn't even a problem like didn't even like care too much about that i was like okay cool you're changing your name but then as i was reading this piece on it it was like it was stated down very matter of fact so i felt like i was the only one that was like, reading it for what it was because it was just, like, real pure, like, neutral journalism, this piece that I'd written, that I'd read on it and it was, like, you know, Lady Antebellum changing its name because of the origins of Antebellum in um, slave um, trade from that period and then, you know... They want to change their name to Lady A. Unfortunately, Lady A was already taken by this other musician who is a black woman. Her name has already been Lady A for 20 years in the music game. And now they're suing her because they want to take that name. End of story. And I was sitting there and I was like, hold up, <laughs> hold up, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Can we take like several steps back and just review that again? <laughs> they are changing their name because of its racist origins, and they're changing the name to Lady A, who's already been taken up by a black woman and They're going to sue that black woman to take her name from her.
0: It's wild. Like, are they not realizing what they're doing? Like, and I mean, even the fact that they're still keeping it Lady A, the A stands for antebellum, which you're not actively getting rid of. You just, like, it's so surface level. Like, it's crazy.
1: And the biggest, the wildest thing about it all was the woman who has the name Lady A as her creative. music name i can't think of the word of it right now her stage name sorry so her name is anita white her stage name is lady a she's been running by that name in her career for 20 plus years and so she said they said they wanted to name it lady a they said she came up said no i'm already named lady a you can't take that name you can't trademark on it and they said all right let's have conversations about it they had a yarn about it they were apparently having seemingly um productive conversations on how to move forward with this lady a um conundrum and they were under the impression that they could just like share it they could just take it and she went no 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 no! i want you to pay me for the name i want you to give me 10 million dollars because that's the kind of worth that's my worth i've been using the same for 20 years you want to take that away from me now that's been my identity in this game for 20 years so if you want to take that you need to pay me 20 million t- 20 10 million dollars And majority of those funds will also go towards grassroots organisations that function in Black Lives Matter. You know, and do a lot of work in terms of reparations. So the money that you're also paying is effectively reparations for what you apparently are trying to do better yeah. in. And they're all like, ah, no. So now they're taking her to court for it so they can just take the name out of her, like completely away from her. It's just stealing it from her.
0: <laughs> and the tone in which they're taking now is like, they're saying, oh, it's such a shame that it's come to this point. And it's like, no, there are many steps along this way where you could have sat down, listened and said, yes, you're right. Let's uh, pay reparations. Let's do this. Mm. Because that's what you... Truly mean by the changing of your name, but apparently not.
1: Yeah, and it speaks to such a huge issue in terms of like what we've been unpacking a lot on the show since what we always talk about on the show, but particularly we've been focusing on it a lot in the last few weeks, and that is all of these new woke people now branding themselves as allies and self-appointing themselves as allies and how it's like no no no, we need a bigger vetting process on this because you cannot just all of a sudden label yourself as being racially woke and understanding of your white privilege making a statement on it doesn't do anything where is your practice and that's what this is fully proven is that you cannot just say something you cannot just post something you cannot just reshare something you cannot just say I'm going to change my name because I didn't realize it was racist this whole time I'm going to do this better because I didn't realize it was racist this whole time and then think that you're absolved of all types of racist because what, when it comes down to action Which is what this is proving right now You have not absolved yourself of nothing And you still function in your whiteness And you still function for These systematic racist systems That, people, that Black Lives Matter Is trying to dismantle
0: Absolutely Let's listen to Lady A right now The original hmm. Lady A Who's had this name for 20 years
2: Why don't you catch me all alone. Well you got it You already know and don't nobody love me like Don't nobody
1: Kathleen newman Bramang and it's um, called For Black Women in Media, A Dream Job is a Myth. And even just when I read that title, I was like, wow, that's exactly what it is. You, as a black woman, like, I've always wanted to work in media. My whole life I've wanted to work in media. And it was, yeah, considered that dream job. And when you're kind of coming up in school and you're given all of these, you know, um, examples of, like, you know workplaces to go into you're always thinking of like that that dream place you want to be in you know what is that job that like I can make a change in and for me that was media that's where I knew my voice was going to be heard the most but time and time again in my whole career of being in this space it is a consistent letdown um it is always something happening that you are you are always having different challenges within media and within the stories you want to tell and the trauma that you have to relive in order to tell certain stories that are not cared for but are also kind of um chastised and romanticized and the battles that you have to have in media as well in order to just be able to tell those stories authentically without it being over edited without it being like stolen from Mm. you is a it's just like it's not a dream job it's not and it's not the same type of experience as our other counterparts our other like white colleagues in this space and we we know that even just with this show
0: yeah I mean, that's exactly what we were unpacking last week. You know, we had to create our own reality for which we had never seen laid down before us. Like, the kind of format of this show, uh, the format of the stories that we were talking about, it happens uh, in most publishers. Um, You know, stories about, quote-unquote, identity politics, stories about, uh, you know, racially antagonistic experiences, and then extrapolating from that into, you know, wider realms of the industry, whatever industry you may work in. They're hard stories to write. You know, and you have to insert yourselves into those stories in ways that your white counterparts will never have to do. Mm. And in a kind of tragic way, that becomes part and parcel of your role in the media. You know, it's a it's kind of like a you know a blessing and a curse kind of um, kind of vibe because if you are a person of color, if you're black, if you're First Nations, you come with a perspective that is already in the minority, mm. and that will be informing everything that you report on. That will be re- uh, informing how you interact with your guests, with the, with the um, with your talent when you bring them in for interviews. Um, And yes, it enriches the platform that you are on, but it's also a lot of labour.
1: It's a lot of labour. And Kathleen brought up a really great point in this article where she says they don't tell you that your successes will come with a caveat. You'll have to relive your trauma for praise and explain your humanity to your peers and superiors on the regular. You'll have to sit beside someone casually defending blackface in your morning meetings. They don't tell you that it will take a worldwide racial reckoning for you to get the courage to drop the OrShucks gratitude stick and finally share your truth yeah that's it you know and that's exactly what it is with everything that's been um happening in the last six weeks I mean I'm just seeing a lot of these white people coming up and it talking about these like own you know epiphanies that they're having and their experiences and all this stuff and they're becoming more better versed in these spaces and you know the lenses have been taken off them and blah 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 but even still i'm like be careful with the tone that you were using on this because it has taken a police officer to put his knee in the back of george floyd's neck for eight minutes two minutes past his death in order for you to have this like epiphany you know, in order for you to like comfortably be like, Oh, maybe I do benefit from what's, you know, my white privilege. Yeah. <laughs> and take, and that's exactly what she's saying here. Like it's for all of us, we're holding so much trauma in these spaces. And when we, and we don't even realize how much we brush it under the rug when we come into media, because we also have to watch a lot of, um, like the stories that we want to tell, we get a lot of, um, challenges like like a lot of our superiors will challenge us for wanting to tell their stories but then if a white person wants to tell a story they they get applauded for mm. it you know it's like oh what insightful like thank you for bringing us to this to us attention this is so insightful passionate all the all of the words that would never be applied to us for wanting mm. to tell that story um and so you have to watch all of that kind of happen and unfold around you as well and you do you, you just because you like i can't speak on this like i'm just gonna brush it under the rug and it isn't until there is this type of reckoning when you're like oh so now i can speak up and now you can have this epiphany but there's also a lot of trauma trauma that now i have to unpack and unravel unravel for you to also like look further into it which i don't even really trust that you will
0: yeah that's it well once they give you that platform they think that their job is done you know yeah yeah
1: i mean that moment of realization of like The the dream job is a myth when you are black and in white-dominated spaces. Unless you really work in something that is completely run by black people by all different types of racial and cultural identities then like it will be a myth because these these structures don't serve us and this is the conversation that i keep having time and time again like real when it comes to these organizational structures real change is the executive leadership boards exiting and giving space to black peoples giving space to all different racial identities to uphold those spaces like don't commit to like 50%, 50%, you know, of our employment will now be dedicated to Black and First Nations people and blah, 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 because I've been seeing a lot of other, like, companies doing these pledges mm. as well, Yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, like, that doesn't really do any change, though. Like, yeah. they don't, like, those employment numbers that you get to kind of feel good about, like, you know, pat yourself on the back for, that's not making any change. What about your executive leadership team? Who there can kind of go away for a bit because they've been hop in that space for too long? Yeah,
0: they're they maintaining power. That's kind of my um, issues around um, ideas of diversity and inclusion. Mm. Um, diversity and inclusion is a white structure. You know, you're being diverse and you're including people uh, from diverse backgrounds in a structure that they will all, that will be the minority. Mm. That is bringing people from minority backgrounds into a space that is violent whether it's softly or co- overtly violent uh, and they may not even realize it you know and it may yeah, everyone will be patting themselves on the back but at the end of the day um white people will still be holding power over these structures, and you're just being part of it now. Yeah. So yeah, until you know um, there are bodies with full autonomy, uh, um, you know, entire executive boards made up of diverse peoples. Yeah. Uh, First nations representation on higher on higher power levels. There will be blind spots that you will never never be able to acknowledge because you don't know what you can't know you simply cannot
1: yeah same with like even tandy newton came out this week as well about all of the racism that she faced in hollywood and a comment that was made to her by amy pascal who's a massive sony um exec and this is like these are executive people saying these things. These are this, when we talk about systemic racism, These we're talking about these higher levels mm. of these industries. And, like, when it came to... I think she was going... This is what made her exit from being a part of the 2004 remake of Charlie's Angels. Mm. And um, one of the roles that she was going for, she was saying, like, I think Amy Pascal had said to her, oh, but you're not... Like, you can't be educated. You can't play that educated role. <gasps> I didn't hear that. Yeah. And Tanny Newton's, like, you know... Dished out on all of that, mm. and Abe Pascal came back and said, I don't think that's what happened. Gaslighting,
0: Gas yeah, <laughs> like, that's textbook. <laughs>
1: textbook. Like, I don't think that happened. And from my recollection, that's not what happened. <laughs> and we have reps in the room that can speak on that, so that's what I mean. Like, you, you all want to talk about like these little epiphanies you're having, you're realizing you know your little racism here and there, you would refer to it as casual racism, um, and that you're now going to moving forward pledge so and so and it's like doing the real work is reparations and doing the real work is moving out of the way physically moving out of the way you will be fine that's (laughs) true all these people in executive spaces that don't want to like give up that space as well and people like oh but they need a job i'm like if they got at that executive level i think i'll be good (laughs) This is Race Matters with Darren Sargas and Sada Khan. And recently this week, in amongst all of the nonsense that is white people, um, a letter was released from Harper's Bazaar. It was a signed letter around cancel culture and how cancel culture. It's the same. Tone, the same rhetoric that we've unpacked on this show um, from people feeling like this new wave of cancel culture is impinging on the freedom of speech and is impinging upon free thinking and creative outlets and all types of just. Um, to just live in reality, <laughs> so like, like come down to earth, eh? Come down into like real, like you know, earth. Come out of that white privilege. It was boring me as
0: you were saying these things. I was like, Ugh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. And so this letter was signed by a lot of people. A lot of people. One of the names um, that was big on the letter was obviously jk rowling because um, jk rowling has come under huge fire in the last month for her incredibly gross transphobic comments made on twitter um effectively ruining all of our childhood and <laughs>
0: <laughs> so she- many tattoos have been removed in the past week <laughs> yeah. i bet i bet
1: well something to just quickly like side note on that as well is that a lot of people on twitter have been like just because jk rowling created harry potter doesn't mean that she owns it it belongs to us now that's true It's ours. She can't have it anymore. And so but a really crucial part of this letter that's problematic is how, like, there's a part in the letter where it's saying, um, (laughs) Institutional leaders in a spirit of panicked damage control are delivering hasty and disproportionate punishments instead of considered reforms. Reforms. Mm. Hmm. We want to talk about reforms? Come to community, people. We can talk about reform. Um, editors are fired for running controversial pieces. Books are withdrawn for alleged inauthenticity. Journalists are barred from writing on certain topics. Professors are investigated for quoting works of literature in class. A researcher is fired for circulating a peer-reviewed academic study. And the heads of organisations are ousted for what are sometimes just clumsy mistakes. Whatever the arguments around each particular incident, the result has been to steadily narrow the boundaries of what can be said without the threat of reprisal. We are already paying the price in greater risk aversion among writers, artists, and journalists who fear for their livelihoods if they depart from the consensus or even lack sufficient zeal in argument. I mean, all I can see there is a bunch of... Fancy language. It's a bunch of idiocracy wrapped in fancy academic language. And it's important to note as well that the majority of people that have signed on this are academics. And it brings up that question as well about academia and about the academic space and how the academic space also inherently functions in white supremacy. These institutions have also, they're rooted in barring black people from gaining knowledge and gaining education. We have not always been able to access these spaces. My best friend's grandfather, Charlie Perkins, is the first black Aboriginal man to attend university that's in our generation that's in our lifetime (laughs) like so these spaces were built upon housing knowledges or housing people that only serve one demographic and that is the ideology of white supremacy and it's only been and honestly like I've spent time in these institutions I went to university it was a culturally and racially violent space I came across a lot of problematic teachers that challenged my lived experience as a first nations woman as a cultural woman all of it because of the fact that i didn't have i didn't have the fancy language and academic skills that they had in using the colonizers language so that's what i mean like this letter all i could see in this letter was a whole heap of white fragility wrapped up in you know flash flash rhetoric
0: it's a uh, it's like pseudo fear I, I i i'm really confused as to what they're afraid of but i guess they're seeing uh people their peers being taken down in ways that they think they may not be able to recover i think that like they've made uh there was one statement they said that they take issue with the calls for swift and severe retribution in response to perceived transgressions of speech and thought and um retribution is not a new thing you know people have been critiquing each other for eons Mm. is that not the point of discourse i think what people are scared of is now the consequences are more concrete yeah and you know just because you know you're completely at liberty to say what you say and so are we and that may include us critiquing you and deeming you you know uh as being taking over space that doesn't belong to you, yeah. And I think there, you know, people are being scared of um, taking over space t- of, of being told that they don't belong in a space, which is what people of color, black people, First Nations people have been fighting for their entire lives.
1: It's also important to remember that the type of rhetoric that you're trying to protect and say that it has a place in the marketplace of ideas. I mean, like. I'm <laughs> i'm doing like marketplace of anything
0: is dark
1: it's it's (laughs) dumb as well i loved like Ahmed rahman's um reference to the marketplace of ideas when he was doing that um stand-up bit on should we punch nazi and he was like "Well, let's defeat them in the marketplace of ideas and he was like i like to defeat them on planet earth i (laughs) I don't know where this exists but anyway and um yeah i think like it's This problem that they want this really, they're conflating right wing fascist language, fascist thinking and ideology, saying that it has, you know, freedom of speech means that that has a place. It's like, well, it doesn't, because that type of thinking and that type of rhetoric it serves to the destruction of black people's livelihoods it's 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 damaging what we are saying is actually productive like do not mix the two it's not about saying like oh both sides of the spectrum one person says this and another person it's not about a agreed to disagree thing it is about one person saying that you don't have an entitlement to your life as a black person you don't have entitlement to your lands your original ancestral lands As a black person, you don't have an entitlement to a voice in this space. My voice matters more. All lives matter type of rhetoric as well. And effectively that feeds into policy, that feeds into health, how people are treated in health, it feeds into how people are housed, and it feeds into what we've just seen down in Melbourne with the, sh- with the shutdown of the nine public housing. So to say that there is a space for this type of thinking, no, there is not. And what we are saying now, because we have more platforms to say it, we have more agency to say it as well, it's not as heavily gatekeep these spaces now, that's why you're shook up about it, because you can no longer gatekeep it as hardcore as you did prior.
2: Yeah. Sick of having to explain myself. They wanna know the history, the pain might help. They're making me wild, need to restrain myself. If I were you, I would educate myself. Oh no. They want me to hate myself degrade, dismiss, and erase myself They said Australia and America's not the same I say David Dungay, they don't even know the name That's bullshit Write to your member, tell them what's happening You gotta challenge the white, settle narrative Got a lot of books that call us nomadic savages Maybe that's a connection of them attacking us Government thinking up any other solution But truth leads to treaty and revolution Killers acquitted, your silence is killing Give us your platform so your people can listen First came the massacres, then came the mission Then stole the children, then filled the prison No wonder our people do not trust the system Over 400, not one conviction, shame No justice and no peace, they weren't charged Down the number of their badge with a pen The value of a life we shouldn't have to defend And saying sorry means it never happens again Some of these cops must have been bullied in P.E. To kill mob, that's why Kaepernick took a knee Donald Trump's calling that a lack of respect But what do you call a knee to the back of your neck, huh? Th- this shit's as bad as it gets Cause some of these coppers really don't know how to protect And it's legitimized, see they try to minimize genocide no my Twitter fights cause the revolution televised, go! So justice, what? Then blame me for it Then expect me to be silent And then thank you for it I ain't thankful they've been killing my people By the masses and I'm fed up to the neck By you right wing fascists I feel anger when my people feel anger That's connection We're angry for a reason Cause our babies need protecting. I'm scared to send them out Cause their colour is a weapon When we walk through the streets. People somehow feel threatened Stop. We only want the system to be civilised You televise your point of view Then feed the shapes full of lies You bought the divide when you set up all the missions And you still cause divide Killing my people in prison I'm sick of it Sick and tired of the fear shoes get a stiff of it, you feelin' it? Nature's the show, no respect about so-called Australia gets their needs off my neck. No justice and no peace, they won't charge. The police, huh? they both said, I can't breathe. breathe. they both said, I can't breathe. breathe. No justice and no peace. Yeah. They won't charge. The police, <laughs> they both said, I can't breathe. breathe. they both said, I can't breathe. Come on, man, you, you
0: y'all know what time it is, that's why you out here.
1: I really appreciate you giving your perspective, mate, because people in Australia don't have the understanding of
0: the history of boys' coins. Dobby and I Can't Breathe featuring Barker. You are listening to Race Matters. I'm Darren Lasagas. And I'm
1: Sada Khan.
0: Uh, Sada, you caught up with Barker the other day, didn't you?
1: I did, I did. Um, Dobby asked me to be a part of the I Can't Breathe film clip, which they shot a couple of days ago. So I got to meet Barker. She was there and just... I was just filled with so much love being in her space. She's such a force to be reckoned with. She's someone that everyone really needs to keep an eye out for, especially her messaging, which is so, like, directly for First Nations women, Mm. for black titters, you know? Like, it is so directly put into that. And she's very clear on all of that. And she's so just unapologetic but super like i just i I love meeting souls like this as well because i'm like you you guys are like the epitome of like who we are as first nations people like strength love anger and resilience just wrapped into one and i was just getting all of that from her and it was just like it was a real privilege to be in the space with her and i'm really really excited to see um where she goes in the next few years she's definitely someone to keep an eye out for
0: absolutely uh, we mentioned this earlier but uh, this week we've seen some uh, horrific scenes in Melbourne. Nine public housing towers in North Melbourne and Flemington uh, were under police enforced lockdown uh, and you didn't have to look too far to find words from residents inside about what the conditions were like armed police uh, patrolling each level, uh, expired frozen meals left outside doors on pieces of paper heavy policing and rejection uh, force rejection uh, of donated suppliers going into the towers uh, but as of two days ago eight uh, of the nine towers are out of total lockdown, but 33 Alfred Street, North Melbourne is still under complete lockdown.
1: Yeah, and a collective named um, voices from the block have been spotlighting the experiences of the residents in the blocks on the ground and have spearheaded a community-run initiative that led to the lifting of detention orders, but they acknowledge the mismanagement still continues. All of their key demands are yet to be met by the Victorian government while Alfred Street remains under lockdown. So if you want to know more about the experiences of these residents, say Santilla Jingaip has written a long-form article in the Saturday paper reflecting on five days inside the nine-block lockdowns. It's available online, and we'll pop a link of it up onto the program page. You can find it at fbiradio.com forward slash programs and click through to Race Matters. We've also got a link on there to a template, a letter template, that you can use to email Premier Daniel Andrews as well as the Victorian Minister for Housing. Um... Yeah, I think it's um something really important if you want to do a call to action right now and be really productive, then really go ahead to the Race Matters website page on FBI Radio and fill out that template.
0: You are listening to Race Matters with Darren Lasagas and Sada Khan right now. Uh I didn't make it to the rally this weekend just past. I was sick and uh didn't want to endanger people, especially mm. uh also going to see my old people this week as well. But um Sarah, you were there. How was the vibe?
1: Um it was interesting going in actually because I was driving down Crown Street and as I was going down Crown Street, it was full. All of the cafes and pubs were at capacity it was packed and i was getting angry because i was like well 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 <laughs> we're not in shutdown anymore so it's like black lives what black lives what happened to those black tiles you were all posting a month ago Hmm? because i can guarantee the majority of all of you mob here on crown street and surrey hills we would have been at the last desk in custody rally but where are you now today yeah cafes are open now it doesn't really matter too much does it also where is the police right now coming and checking to make sure that you guys are safely social distancing because that is not what i'm seeing sure enough got down to the rally the police presence was heavy and so the rally was in the domain as well which was so it was very covid safe everybody was like 1.5 meters apart it was super safe open airspace but the coppers were all around and we also got told a because they couldn't march and we also got told that um, the coppers had these big sound booms ready so if anything was to pop up, pop off or anyway they would release those sound booms and everyone immediately deaf. And there's little jarjums there as well, there's little kids there, little babies old people were there too so it was very much like intense in that way so what was kind of really led with instead of like doing a march and doing a rally because of that precaution because of that kind of fear I guess was to very much just Follow protocol, open up the space safely, and smoke it out, and then be able to create a circle there where all of the families could come in and be guided into a safe space in Japagali, which is the Gadigal word for um the domain in Sydney, and share their stories in a culturally safe space. And that's kind of what was what um the Sunday rally was about. Um, instead of it being a march, that's what it was really focused on, and it was a big circular space as well, which was um quite nice too, and very very important but it was just very interesting just watching how like up the road every single cafe was filled with people not social distancing and the coppers were there to you know enforce social distancing on people but it was like everyone's already doing that here like and it just like we know what why this is like we get it like we know why like we speak on it all the time it's exactly as to what's happening down in melbourne as well why like poor black people are being put under militia lockdown right now so and in speaking in that Because if you are someone that went to a cafe instead of going to the rally on Sunday, then don't worry, you can kind of check yourself and maybe have another epiphany about that again and you can attend the next rally, which is on the 28th of July in Town Hall Square. So that is the I Can't Breathe Black Lives Matter Justice Now rally that's going to be happening Tuesday, the 28th of July at 12pm in Town Hall.
0: We will see you there. That is all for Race Matters this week. Uh, big thanks to Sunny Leigh, who provided research assistance for this episode, executive producer Tanya R. Lee. You can find us at fbiradio.com slash Matters or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Darren Lasagas. And I'm Sada Khan. And we'll catch you next week.
1: Race Matters. Race Matters. Race Matters. Race, race Matters. Race
0: Matters. Race Matters. Race
1: Matters.
0: Race, race Matters. Race matters. Race matters.